Hey, listen, welcome to the Hey Listen Gamescast. This is episode 15. My name is Jeffrey Morse. With me here today, as always, is the wonderful Nathan Wagner. Hey, listen. And, of course, our third compadre, the Charles Barkley of our show, Rob Douglas. What can I say, guys? And hey, we got Shaq back. Yeah, we do got Shaq back. Uh, Nathan, if you uh, missed last week's episode, was not able to be on the show, so me and Rob held down the fort, had a great show, um, but we are glad to have you back, Wait, Nathan. Am I labeled Shaq now? As Shaq? Yeah. You you are the Shaq of this oh, podcast. Oh, alright. I will take I'll take Yeah, I mean, okay, come on. You, you can't complain about being called Shaquille and Yellow. <laughs> of course. I could never do that. So, uh, Nathan and I actually uh, just uh, hot off the presses... Uh, finished uh, playing the story mode in uh, Destiny: Rise of Iron. Uh, came out. Uh, you guys today. finished the whole thing. Well, we finished. Yeah, it's pretty, the main story mission. Finished, finished the main story mission. Oh, the main story mission. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like the actual story missions, I think there's only like what, like there's five, five of them total. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty easy. Yeah, the last yeah. one's pretty long, but most other ones aren't aren't terribly long or anything. But, but yeah, the so story's just, really cool. Just finished that. The story's story's awesome. It's got a great narrative. Really easy to follow follow along and the new areas just look really cool i love the art design of the siva stuff and yeah i'm really excited to to play the raid this weekend it's gonna be awesome um yeah so so we'll probably uh be bringing you a lot more destiny coverage next week we'll try to try to not talk too much about it this week since it's still uh pretty fresh we've only played it for about a a hour or two um so far so uh yeah moving in to our first segment though we have our news there wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of news this week, uh, but no. there is there was some fresh NX rumors that we'll be talking about in a little bit. Um, but there was a, a couple things we did want to mention. Um, first was uh, Pokemon Go. Um, today marked the first day where it finally ended its 74-day run as the top downloaded iPhone app. And uh, it is now number two in the App Store. Uh, at least it was earlier today, and I think I think it was Cat Clash of Clans that was up again. Totally. Yeah, oh one, man! One of those really? Games. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Pokemon Go. I think Clash it's the of Angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the third longest uh, consecutive days, like in number one of any app in the App Store. I think Clash of Clans and oh. one of those other. I think it's sequel or something were the the top two, but. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, what, what do you guys think about that? That's, That's pretty impressive. Um, I think it's really neat. Uh, I just I can't believe that it was the top down the lap. Like that's not top grossing, top download, meaning yeah. that people it still is top downloading grossing. it every day who hadn't. Yeah, it's still top grossing, but mm. people who hadn't played it were downloading it every day. Yeah, I was getting that many Which, new downloads. <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly. like everyone already Which had I, it after the first month. Yeah, I feel like everyone already had it. After, oh yeah, after no, absolutely that so that's impressive that's just crazy run i mean not many apps developed like most of the games that are really big on the downloads and stuff are things like they're specifically designed for downloading and app phone games but pokemon's not a it's not a phone app game it was you know the game boy and everything before and then it became this phone app thing so it's kind of this big franchise the first real franchise branded game that went to mobile that's pretty impressive that it did that well yeah, yeah it'll be really interesting to see how the super mario run game does in oh, comparison to yeah Pokemon that's Go gonna games. break so many records oh yeah out of the water 
I, there's finally an iPhone game that I'm excited about. I've never <laughs> been excited for an iPhone <laughs> game before. So, when I feel like more exactly. people know Mario than they know Pokemon. No, yeah, for Pokemon sure. was a very specific yeah. audience, and they kind of that specific audience brought their friends in. While Mario, mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Oh yeah, if you know anything about video games or nothing at yeah. all about video games, you know who Mario is." Yeah, yeah. and exactly. Pokemon Go did kind of appeal to different generations. Like I've been in parks, and there's been old people playing it, you know, little kids playing it. But I'd say the majority was, you know, the the kind of '90s kids, like you know, who mm-hmm. grew up playing it's the like original games, Pokemon Stadium, yeah, millennials and. Mario, really, like, I think that's going to have the way wider appeal, like you were saying, Rob. Like, your grannies and your your dads and your people who grew up, you know, in the arcades in the 80s, like, they're going to be all for it. We're going to be all for it. Little kids are going to be for it. So I think that's going to that's gonna be really good. I mean, it's, yeah. it's still advertised in the front page of the App Store, and it's not even out for, like, another three months. So yeah. <laughs> until Apple believes in it as well. So, yeah. 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 But that'll be cool. So, uh Pokemon Go, number two right now, and uh, we'll we'll see if uh, they stay at the number two spot or if they slide more uh, in the next week or so. But, yeah. Um, so this next week's of news, I'm going to let Rob go ahead and talk about it. It's his favorite publisher, Ubisoft. Yeah, something so did this week. Ubisoft basically, I mean, this is sort of an odd move. You know, you guys remember Watch Dogs 1 came out. It's all about the hacking and everything. And so everyone's kind of getting, you know, it was a really disappointing game. Everyone's getting hyped about Watch Dogs 2 now. But Ubisoft is actually giving away free copies to hackers. And not <laughs> not video game hackers, real life hackers. There's a the there's PlayStation or- Network hackers. <laughs> no, these are the ones that hacked the White House. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. No, there's a there's an organization called the Major League Hacking. I didn't even know this existed. That puts on a hackathon competition, and they put on hackathon competitions all around the world. And the winners of these some of these events will get a free copy of Watch Dogs too. Like I feel is that like before it comes out? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. But, you know, it's kind of weird because, okay, yeah, sure, it's a legal competition because you're getting all these hackers together and they're on teams and stuff and they're hacking and stuff. But what are you encouraging people to do? Hey, we'll give <laughs> our game away to people who can hack in real life. Yeah, that is kind of funny. Well, I mean, I think hacking is – there's a lot of people who hacked and do it, don't do it, like, illegally or anything like that. They just yeah, kind of true. do it for fun and as a pastime. Um my dad actually is a computer programmer, and he loves to hack just for fun and stuff. So, this I think he also this has is a secret a, database of all the government a, secrets, uh, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about my dad anymore on this show. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I think this is kind of obviously it's just kind of a publicity stunt. Um, it is, yeah, it's kind of absolutely. a cool way to promote Watchdogs too, and I think it's kind of a cool thing to do to get involved with like hacking actual hacking associations and stuff like that since that's such a big part of the game it's a good way to keep people from doing it illegally and it is yeah. a cool way to kind of advertise your game as well so yeah it yep. seems and like an appropriate venue to do it it's but good, it just kind of was baffling i think it's a good pr move too because if like anyone gets mad at you like oh you're encouraging hackers and people to breach networks they'd be like no, we don't. We're encouraging legal hacking through the hackathon competition. You know, they can they can point to this. So, also, yeah, sure. if people get mad about this, like Watch Dogs Two is all about like hacking. Like, if you were hacking in a game, hacking illegal things. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of <laughs> beside the point. Yeah, so, it's funny though. 
Uh, but yeah, so that was interesting. I, I know Ubisoft likes doing some interesting promotions and publicity yes. things to promote games. So that that, that is they not have their strangest one. Very creative, very creative people. Uh, in that it is true that teams. that is not their strangest one. Also, <laughs> like you said, Jeff. Um, All right. Great. So moving on. Uh, so today is actually the two-year anniversary of Bayonetta 2. Uh, Wii U exclusive. If you remember when that game first got announced, like three years ago, that's like when the internet like freaked out because it got announced as a Wii U exclusive because Nintendo was publishing it. And everyone was like, oh, Nintendo, you're ruining Bayonetta. Oh, my goodness. Like, why is it not multi-platform? I don't want to buy a stupid Wii U to play this. And you know, Platinum came out, and they're like, well, no one wanted to publish our second game, so it wouldn't have gotten made if Nintendo didn't step in and, like, fund it for us. So you should be thanking Nintendo, not getting mad, but be like, ah, it's dumb. And so people are freaking out, but it got really good review scores, lots of 9s and 10s. Um, I never played it, uh, but one interesting thing that I saw today is the two-year anniversary, the lead developer from Platinum Games posted basically a guide of how to unlock... I think it was four new playable characters, um, six different ultimate new weapons, plus some other features that are in the game that have been in the game since it launched two years ago, but no one knew how to do until he basically put a like guide out how to unlock them today. And so I just thought that was crazy that there's wow. been all these secret characters and modes and features and like game-breaking weapons in the game that no one knew how to get or even knew that they existed until today. So I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> I've never heard of that That's before awesome. in a game. That kind of reminds me, um, you remember when Batman Arkham Asylum came out and in one of the, uh, in the main guys, the warden's office was a secret room and you mm-hmm. had to blow up the wall like three times and no one could figure out. And if you got in the room, it actually was a complete layout for Arkham City. Yeah, like, like a blueprint. You know, one of those undiscovered secrets that goes for forever until the developers actually leak it. That mm-hmm. That's... It's more common than we think, but I mean that's really cool that this is coming out and he's coming out and saying, "Hey, these were there the whole time." Crazy. Well, I mean that was just like one room, and it was kind of a cool thing because it was lead up for Arkham City and Easter egg. But like the fact that there's like four new playable characters and like six weapons and stuff that that's like a huge part of the game. I can't believe that that big part of the game. I'm pretty sure you can only play as two characters in the main game and then you can play as a third character if you do like the co-op mode so like it added in a bunch yep. of new stuff that you couldn't previously d- do in the game so yep. pretty cool and it's not like an update or anything it's just like hey this has been in the game for two years uh here's how you find it <laughs> <laughs> That's, pretty well, cool pretty I, cool. I think I think more games should do uh cool stuff like that so oh yeah it's always cool when you see games that it encourages people to explore and kind of play your game more and um, yeah it it's gives always fun to be rewarded to jump back you... in too so yeah, for sure. And it's always fun to be rewarded for looking at every tiny little yeah. minute detail. And yeah, and that game's only like 20 bucks now anyways. Like when it first came yep. out, it had the first Bayonetta remade for the Wii U as well. And so um, it was kind of a more spendy. It was like a 50, 60 bucks still. But they kind of remade it or re- reprinted it. Re-released, and, uh, it. re-released it with just the Bayonetta 2 disc. So it's only like 18 bucks or something now. So Yeah, you can get it cheap on yeah. the cheap now. But uh Moving on to our next piece of news, the Battlephone 1 beta uh, ended last week, and EA released that it was played by 13.2 million players, which is a pretty good number. Uh, that's a good number you want to turn out for a beta of your yes. Battlefield game. That's how much Call of Duty like sells every year, and so 
Um, that means at least probably most of those players are checking Battlefield 1 out, see if it's something they like. Um, I didn't play it, but I know the two of you guys did. So what were your guys' impressions? Yeah, I believe EA said it was their, their biggest beta ever, um, which, I mean, makes sense, I guess, but I also still blows my mind that, <clears throat> battle, that it was bigger than Battlefront because Star Wars last year, everyone was super hyped on it with Episode Seven coming. Mm. So, but yeah, I played it for about like an hour and a half or something like that um and it it honestly i've played a couple other battlefield games um they're not i don't really like them because you it's really really team-based you have to play like in groups of teams if you're just jumping in there playing by yourself it's not very fun because you get killed really easy and it's all about vehicles and really huge maps and stuff um and that's what this felt like it felt i really like the setting was really cool we played in like the desert um Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, I think, the Brits versus, like, the Turks, which was neat. Um, and it so you like the history beautiful. part of it? Yes, I love the history part of it. Um, I love the part of World War One, And it was really, really pretty. But oh, the actual, yeah. like, gameplay and stuff, um, at least for me, it wasn't a ton of fun because I felt like I kept getting shot. Um, and then, From like, I'd, like, that. spawn <laughs> and then walk around and then get shot or get taken down by a tank. And then you're like, all right. And then, like, I went a whole match without dying, but I was literally just in a tank shooting people the entire time. Um, and it wasn't that fun because I was a gunner, so I wasn't controlling where I could look. So I only had, like, uh, a view of wherever the, the driver took me. And stuff so you like just that, pretty much so. just pushed one button. <laughs> yes, exactly. Gotcha. So, um, I don't know. It was cool. It was fun, but I don't think it's for me. Gotcha. For me, I don't know. It was kind of... I, I enjoyed the history, like you said, Nathan. Because, um, yeah, that was one... World War One is one of those really largely untapped eras in video games. And I'm excited about the campaign. Um, but the multiplayer, like you said, I've played Battlefield multiplayers before. And I, I'm not... I'm okay at shooters. I, Nathan and I were comparing our kill-to-death ratios earlier. And I had a better kill-to-death ratio than he did. But <laughs> I don't remember. You had to throw that in there, didn't you, Rob? <laughs> I had to. I had to. Um, but it was, yeah. I just felt like it was you. The team-based combat was okay. It was it was good, but not my favorite a- aspect of the gameplay. I just felt like I kept getting lost. Like I'd be standing out in the middle of the desert and trying to spot where a guy was shooting at me from, and then I would get taken out by a sniper from the other side, and I'd be like, dude, I didn't even see that guy. <laughs> well, I, I remember this like, was the same thing with Battlefield 2. The first time I played that, it felt the same. Just giant maps where people who have played those games before know where they can spawn camp from and how to how to kind of you know pick people off from a distance. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if, if Battlefield is a game that you like... Um, I think Battlefield 1 is going to be a great game for you and you're going to really enjoy it. But if it's something yeah. you've played in the past that you didn't really enjoy, then I don't think Battlefield 1 is going to change your mind on it. Um, I am interested to maybe see the campaign and see if they do mm-hmm. anything cool with that, um, but mainly, mainly just for the history aspect. So Yeah, same. Cool. Well, um, I guess if you weren't excited about Battlefield 1 yet, um, probably still nothing to be too excited about. Um, however, I'm sure with EA and just how the Battlefield games go, it'll probably be down to like $20 bargain bin next year. So uh, I would just <laughs> wait for it if, if you're not super hyped and you wanted to pick it up. So uh, moving on to our last piece of news. This is a big piece of news. Uh, the Nintendo NX had um, kind of a leak um, or rumor this week and then also an interview from uh, high-ranking 
Nintendo kind of employee. Um, actually, it was the Pokemon CEO. So we'll start with the with the rumor. Um, Zelda and the NX release date may have been leaked um, as March. I believe it was March third. Um, March fourth. Yeah. March fourth. Okay, uh, it was leaked for March fourth of uh, two thousand seventeen next year. Um, and this is kind of exciting to me because this leak was posted by Nintendo of Europe's official like store page. Because uh, Nintendo Europe basically sells all their Nintendo products straight through their website. And so they have all the Amiibo listed on there and like the release dates for them when they've come out, upcoming ones. And they accidentally listed the Breath of the Wild Amiibo as being released on March 4th. And it could just be a random typo. It could you know, be some other error or something. But Nintendo has said NX is coming out in March. Zelda, we're assuming, is a launch title for it. So March 4th could theoretically make sense as a release date for both Zelda and the NX. Because um, I don't think they've really ever launched Amiibo before a game has came out. They always bring in a new line of Amiibo with the current game. Unless it's something mm-hmm. like, you know, the random Zelda series that aren't really tied to anything or something like that. So, Well, they've been out for years. Yeah. And so usually they always launch, you know, their new Amiibo uh, lines with the game that they correspond with. So... Um, pretty exciting. I, I think it could be, could be definitely be plausible, but knowing Nintendo, whenever they usually say like, it's going to release in March, it's like (laughs) March 30th. They're like, it'll release in summer. It's like the last day of August. So, so I, uh, kind of, that'll be early on. Uh, I think this is something that's really interesting about this that, um, I thought about is Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD actually released March 4th, 2016. So that would be exactly a year after Twilight Princess HD released. Um, I heard someone suggest that maybe it was an accident. um, Like Nintendo accidentally put up the date from Twilight Princess HD. Twilight Princess Amiibo. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 17. Yeah. Um, Like I said, it could be lots of different things. Lots of options and stuff. I just thought it was cool because it was posted by Nintendo. (laughs) <laughs> I think you make a good point that it sounds surprising because Nintendo saying the NX is large, launching in March. I'm guessing like March 20th or Mar- the very end of March versus yeah. <laughs> the beginning of March. Especially since they still haven't officially like announced yeah. it yet. If this thing's coming out yeah. March 4th, I mean, come on, get this thing announced. Get get the ball rolling. But um, the other piece of news on the NX was the Pokemon CEO uh, did an interview with the Wall Street Journal. I believe it was yesterday. And he somewhat confirmed uh, soft confirmed that the nx is a hybrid device like has been rumored for the last year uh, basically he was quoted saying the nx is trying to change the concept of what it means to be a home console device or a handheld device and uh, obviously saying we will make games for the nx and the wall street journal kind of focused on like oh a pokemon game is going to come to the nx and it's like yeah duh a pokemon game has come to every nintendo console since 1997 <laughs> or whatever um, just, we don't know, you know, is that Pokemon rumble or is that like a, you know, core Pokemon game or what that is would it be like Pokemon. Yeah. Core Pokemon game would be crazy. Yeah. Cause so, then you could possibly theoretically play it on your home console. Yeah. You could play it on your home console people. or take it on the go to trade with people and yep. stuff like you do with the DS ones. So, um, that would be interesting. pretty cool. But, uh, just, I mean, we kind of have our first kind of confirmation, I guess that, the NX really is that hybrid device, which, you know, so many people have reported on, but that's always been like unnamed sources and stuff. This is like the CEO of Pokemon who obviously knows what the NX is. You know, he works so closely with Nintendo um, and he has a lot of knowledge of what it is. And so he's, 
he's saying that in a quote and something inside of me makes me think that the nx reveal maybe might be right around the corner like it's an imminent reveal coming the next week or two because he's like oh i can say this you know they're going to reveal it in a week or two like it's not a big deal um so i don't know what do you guys think do you think the nx reveal is actually coming soon like i don't know i mean i've been thinking the nx reveal is coming soon for the last three weeks (laughs) that's (laughs) true i i almost would assume that it might they might wait off a little bit maybe even closer to like uh november oh gosh (laughs) gosh i hope not i i I feel like November is too late because that's when all like the big thirty-party games and yeah. stuff like that are coming and the PS out. Pro's so coming out in November. The PlayStation Pro is coming out. They're going to get drowned out. I think right now, between now and like the beginning to middle of October, is the best time for them to announce the NX. And all a lot there's been a lot of rumors and people saying that they think the NX is going to um, get revealed either in September or the beginning of October. And I, I think that honestly makes the most sense. So I'm really hoping it's in the next couple of weeks. I, I'd be shocked if they went past October. <laughs> but then again, yeah, exactly. I've been shocked Especially multiple times this year. Especially if it's coming out in March. Yeah. Because... Yeah. I mean, Nintendo yeah. saying it's st- still on track to release in March. But the longer they're waiting to reveal it, kind of makes me think it's not going to be released to later in the year. So I'm getting starting yeah. to get it. I saw this... Uh, it was really interesting. I saw this uh, quote or tweet the other day on Twitter that said... Uh, I think so it was a couple days ago, but it said the Xbox One was revealed however many days before it was um, released, and then it said it is now like three days longer than when the X- from the time the Xbox One was, re- was revealed to when it was released um, for the NX to uh, March 2017. So theoretically, if they revealed it in the next couple weeks, it would be about the same time as the Xbox One revealed to launch. Yeah, just the, at the same time, I think I saw some similar to that too. Uh, comparison, the mm-hmm. Xbox had its own giant press conference, which knowing Nintendo, they're just going to do like a direct. They won't do a press conference, yeah, which mm-hmm. is fine. But then they also had E3, like an entire week to show everything. They had like you know all these different Gamescom, all these different events to showcase their system at. While now, like Tokyo Game Show is just wrapping up, and like there's no gaming events that are coming between now and March, like. I think there's Game Developers Conference in February, but, like, I feel like yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah, but Nintendo has gone away from showing anything at those big gaming events anyways that we've seen in the last two or three years. So yeah. I, I mean, guess I'm not super surprised that they're I mean, not focusing on this. I think those. they know that their killer app to launch NX with is Zelda, <laughs> and they did steal yes. a show at E3 with their one game, Zelda. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what they do. Alrighty, segment two. We are going to do our second ever Indie Game Spotlight. Um, So this is a segment in our show um, that we like to pick. uh, One of the three of us, I think Rob did the last one. Um, I chose this week's game and uh, just kind of picking an independent game, kind of a smaller game that maybe you might have missed or um, haven't played yet that we uh, really enjoyed and would like to uh, recommend to you guys. And so the game I would like to recommend to you guys today is Shovel Knight. And uh, Shovel Knight originally came out two years ago. Um, It was originally a Kickstarter project by Yacht Club Games, a small uh, studio of guys here in America. And uh, it got backed almost immediately, and it became kind of this um, really big project on Kickstarter. And 
finally got released. And it was originally released on the Wii U and the 3DS, so it was exclusive for about a year. And it's now out on uh, PS4 and Xbox One and I think Steam as well. So you can play it on any platform nowadays. Um, and the great thing about Shovel Knight is it's really got like that classic NES pixel art. Um, all the animations and pixels and stuff, they're all like handmade and stuff. And the cool thing I heard in an interview with actually the developers, they said that the entire game could almost run like on NES. I think they used like three colors that weren't originally available on NES. And then other than that, like they could fit, like port the entire game onto an NES cartridge and play it in a Nintendo entertainment system, which is wow, awesome. That's amazing. So like, they they you might think they kind of like self-impose those restrictions on themselves but really like they just really kind of took the NES like spirit of all those type of you know Metroid, Mario, Zelda, Castlevania, all those type of games and just kind of took the spirit of those games and really um kind of went with it with their own own art style and stuff which um basically worked really good because you play as a shovel knight and basically he's the knight he uses a shovel for a weapon and you can kind of do the the uh, Scrooge McDuck, the DuckTales uh, cane bounce. So you can, like, bounce on top of enemies' heads. And they do lots of cool platforming um, stuff, like bouncing on different things. And it's kind of got the old school, like, difficulty. It's pretty difficult. And one cool mechanic that I liked in it is whenever you play a level, there's five different checkpoints throughout the level. And whenever you get to a checkpoint, there's a you're always collecting treasure throughout the game. Like whenever you defeat enemies or you get chests and use the, you know, the treasure to upgrade and uh, buy new items and stuff. And whenever you get to a checkpoint, you can actually destroy the checkpoint by hitting it a couple times with your shovel and then a bunch of treasure will come out. But if you destroy the checkpoint and you die, you go all the way back to whatever your last checkpoint was. And so oh. you can kind of risk and say, ah, oh, I think I'm good. I don't need the checkpoint. You can just, bang. Oh, I got the treasure. But then if you die, you're like, crap. And I have to go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> So uh, that was, I, oh. I love it when games do that when when they kind of give you the risk reward option. Yeah, they, they let you yeah. be greedy. <laughs> yeah. So is it a little bit more roguelike? Like you play through once and they're not affected by each other's playthrough, or uh, is it more like Mario platformer? Um, well, basically, while while you're playing through, there's it kind of moves almost like a Metroid game. So you're going, you know, side-scrolling, like, kind of left to right, but you're jumping on platforms, you're attacking mm-hmm. things, and basically you go through, like, areas where they're at the top, bottom, left or right of the screen, and kind of, you know, do the, when the screen, like, shifts over, you know, like those old NES games used to do. And there's tons of secret areas to find, and so one thing that's cool is you find secret areas with, like, collectibles, but there's also a secret weapon hidden in every level of the game. And, like, I beat the game, I haven't, I didn't collect all of them on my first playthrough, but... If you find the secret weapons, they're they're kind of like a little challenge room that's hidden somewhere in the map. Um, it'll kind of be like Zelda. Like, you can use that item to defeat the boss a little bit easier. But you, you can beat the entire game without getting any of the optional weapons. And so I thought that was also kind of a cool mechanic where you could use those different things to kind of, you know, make certain parts easier. But there's no... I don't think there's any part in the game where you, like, have to use a certain item um, to to beat the game. Like, you can still beat the game in the level normal way just to get certain secrets and mm. to to make the game maybe a little easier and more fun, you can find those extra items and power-ups, which is pretty neat. That's really cool. Yeah. That is really I cool. Think, I think the, the... I haven't... I've only played this game a little bit, um, but the cool... My favorite part about it is the... Kind of the 2D pixel art, like you were talking about, Jeff, is just absolutely beautiful. Like, it looks really pretty. Um, 
it's nice because it's like updated, so you can play it on like HGTV, and it yep. looks gorgeous. It looks really good. Looks great um, on the gamepad too, like a smaller screen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then the music is really, really good. Um, it sounds, you know, exactly like a '80s retro game, NES game would sound. Um, yep. Eight bit. <laughs> but you can just tell they put they loved, um, you know, the NES and those kind of older type games and stuff like that, and it was just a complete like love project that they put kind of their heart and soul into yeah and they, they spent like a couple of years in development and uh, i'm really glad it cut back on kickstarter i didn't hear about it till after the kickstarter ended um but it came out and i remember getting it and i just remember i loved it right away it reminded me of you know all those nes games i played growing up and kind of you know the metroidvania style and everything but um <laughs> one really neat thing as well uh, as being a kickstarter program one of the uh stretch goals that they had was that hey if you reach a certain stretch goal we'll add in you know kind of an optional second campaign where you play as one of the bad guys in the story so like you play a shovel knight but there's also like there's propeller knight plague knight uh a mole knight there's all these different knights who are kind of like the bad knights that you have to defeat it's very much kind of like a mega man like you have to kind of progress through the level then once you get to the end you fight that boss and you can kind of choose which one you want to do um in any order, kind of like Mega Man as well. But since that was one of the original Kickstarter goals, they actually put out a free update last year called uh, Plague of Shadows. And most of the levels were still the same, um, but the way you kind of progress through levels and like the mechanics of it changed because the Plague Knight character that you play as, he doesn't use a shovel. He uses like little bombs, and he can do a double jump, and he can kind of do a third jump where he explodes a bomb on himself. Um, but it's really hard to control. And so even though you're kind of playing through the same levels, it feels entirely different just because the way you move and like attack with your character is totally different. And like, he has all, it's really funny because there's like a main hub village that you go into a shovel night, right. And you like buy your items and stuff like that. It's like a, it's kind of like the town in a Zelda two for NES. Like there's all the little characters, NPCs running around. And when you first go there while you're playing the uh, Plague Knight DLC, you go on there like, hey, you can't go in here. You're a bad guy. And he's like, what? <laughs> so they like literally <laughs> kick you out of the village and then you just get like bumped back out to the world map. And I'm like, what? So like I went back in and they said something like, hey, you can't go in here. And then he basically went down a secret tunnel in front of the village, which like led to a secret underground lair. And he's like, little do they know my underground lair is beneath them. And so like your whole like kind of like hub world is actually a secret alchemy base that's underneath the village. And it's it's just like little things like that was really, really cool that they, they changed and stuff. So um, that's super cool. Yeah. And it's a whole new campaign. They added in like new challenges and uh, new music and other stuff. And it was a free update. Uh, they said it would be free because all the Kickstarter backers hit that stretch goal. And then now they've gone above and beyond, and they're working on two more campaigns. They're making a King Knight uh, DLC and I think a Lance Knight or something. So they're making two more uh, DLC campaigns that are also going to be free. And so they're just They'll working. also be free? Yeah, they're just working on these endlessly. Wow. And they're just putting out all these free really cool. DLC updates. So updates are still coming yeah. for this game. And, like, you know, you figured with, like, oh, it's an old, like, NES-type game. It's really simple. There's not a lot to it. But they're still adding content to it, which is really, really neat. So, um, And they also released a Shovel Knight Amiibo. Is that correct? Yeah. It was actually the, the first third-party Amiibo, like, non-Nintendo one. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's really cool. It that's added cool. a gameplay element. Is that right? Well, yeah. Still? Basically, they added uh, special things to each version of the game, which is also a free update. Uh, the Xbox version got like a special battle against the Battletoads characters. Um, the PS4 version has a 
mode where you go through Kratos's castle and you fight the Kratos God of War character. And uh, the Wii U and 3DS version have an amiibo, and if you buy the amiibo, you can tap it in to play co-op. You can play two players at the same time. And if you play as the amiibo, every time you like just kill people or get treasure, gain experience, you level up your amiibo. With every level, you get you can get all the way up to level fifty. I think my amiibo is like at level thirty or something. But with every level, you unlock basically a new vanity item. So you can unlock a new shovel knight skin, like set of armor. You can unlock a like a fe- like a trail effect for when you walk. Like flames can come up. You can affect like new masks for your character, uh, different items and stuff. So like. They've added so much awesome like content updates with uh, with Amiibo. And I think that also the Amiibo added a few extra single-player challenge modes, which are kind of like, hey, you know, get to the top of this thing and defeat all the enemies within 30 seconds or something like that. So, That's neat. That's so, yeah, really cool. Lots, lots yeah, to do really in this cool. game. It's a great game. I've seen it on sale a few times, but I think MSRP is about 20 bucks, maybe $15. Bucks. Um, and, yeah, definitely, definitely don't sleep on this game. It's a... It's a great game that'll kind of remind you of, you know, the old simpler games. It's got a good difficulty level. Uh, the writing's great. Like, there's little, like, text boxes before the battles. And it'll be like, <laughs> beware, King Knight. You shall feel thy steel of my shovel. <laughs> so, it's just, like, super funny. They have fun with it. And so, yeah. So definitely check out Shovel Knight. It's available on, um, like I said, almost every platform now. If you have a Wii or 3DS, I would recommend picking up that version with the Amiibo because uh, you can do lots of cool stuff with that. So, yeah. Neat. Nice. Cool. Shovel Knight. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff. Yep. So. So. Segment three. Rob, you want to tell us what we're going to be talking about here? Yeah. So this is another segment that we've been we've done in the past. We uh, had a question I did a couple of weeks ago, and this time around, I have a new question for you guys. And this is kind of more than one part question, but the main topic of these questions is DLC or downloadable content. Dun dun dun! <laughs> so controversial. <laughs> we've seen we've seen a lot of DLC anywhere from microtransactions to adding a new skin or costume or something, all the way to things like the uh, blood and wine. DLC for Witcher 3, which was almost as big, if not, I think it might have been as big as the actual Base game, game <laughs> story, which is just crazy. So, just to ask you guys a couple of questions about DLC and some of our opinions on what downloadable account is as is good, is it bad? So, what is the best valued DLC you guys have gotten? Um, I will jump in. Uh, the best value DLC I have ever gotten is the Mario Kart 8 DLC for the Wii U. Oh, that's uh, what I was thinking. You're still mine. <laughs> it is such a good deal because I think it, it was a you could buy either each pack individually for eight dollars, or you could buy the both of them for I think twelve dollars. Yeah, it was twelve bucks. Um, so I got both of them. Both of them for twelve, which gave you uh, sixteen new tracks and I think eight new characters, including and Link some new costumes, as a character, including which was awesome. like Link. Yeah. Plus um, F-Zero levels and a Hyrule Castle level, which were awesome. And I believe before oh, awesome. the DLC came out, the the game had 32 levels already. 32 levels, is that correct, Jeff? Yeah, 30. There so was a 16 this... old levels, 16, like 16 retro levels kind of remade for Mario Kart 8, and then there were 16 like new levels. 
in a DLC pack. So this was like basically adding a whole another third of the game for an extra twelve dollars, which was really really cool. So that was yeah. a really great deal. Yeah, and like especially when you consider like Mario Kart games prior to I think it was Mario Kart DS or Mario Kart Wii. Um, only had 16 levels in them to begin with. I think the original Mario Kart had 15 levels, and then Mario Kart 64, Mario Kart Double Dash, and the Game Boy 1, they all had 16 uh, levels in them. And so this is pretty much almost adding, you know, an entirely new Mario Kart game in there, but um, they were also adding in, like, favorite classics that people wanted back, like Baby Park. They added, you know, F-Zero and, you know, Zelda levels, so they did the first crossovers. There's Animal Crossing crossover. Animal Crossing levels. Yeah, so that that was a that was an amazing amazing DLC pack, and it was twelve dollars. So I felt like deal. I was like robbing Nintendo. Like, awesome. <laughs> I mean, you like think of like Call of Duty, like Call of Duty map pack comes out, and it's like twelve dollars for like three maps. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting sixteen courses, let alone all these characters and cars and skins and all and stuff on top of that too. So, pretty awesome, pretty awesome DLC. Good choice, Nathan. Yes. Um, you think of any other good ones, Jeff? Yeah. What do you got, um, Jeff? Well, I do remember one of the first DLC packs they put out for Wii U was uh, Pikmin. They did Pikmin 3 DLC. They had little challenge maps where you pretty much had like a certain task like to collect all the fruit within a time limit or something like that. And basically, it was kind of like a speedrun thing where you try to do it as quickly as you can. You get points. And I love the way they announced this DLC because uh, they had a Nintendo Direct and Iwata. It was like, oh, like we are putting in a Pikmin 3 DLC uh, you can download five new courses. Uh, for the five new courses, it is cost uh, $1.99. So it was like $2. It costs $1.99 for the five new courses, and you get the first course free. So when you open your Wii U, after this Direct is over, you will already have one free up, like one free course already added. You can get five more for $2. And I'm like, sweet. So I went and checked out the free one. I liked it. I'm like, I could pay $2 for five new levels. And so I paid it, and I... Definitely played it for a couple hours, and you know it wasn't like a huge piece of content or anything. But I'm like, mm-hmm. two dollar DLC that adds some great new content plus gives me free content on top of that. I'm definitely behind that. So I thought that was a really neat way, and I think more games should do DLC that is like you know smaller DLC packages for smaller prices like that. That's, um, that's not microtransactions. Like in Destiny, it costs yes. like five dollars to like buy one emote, like. That's a microtransaction that's very expensive while, like, mm-hmm. it's you're not really getting any content. Like, I think it would be cool to have optional content, not, like, you know, main stuff that you have to buy. But cool optional content that is, you know, a, a lower price point for people who don't want to, you know, drop $20 on a map pack or something like that. So, th- I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. I've never really seen $2 content DLC before, so. Nice. Yeah, that's a neat example. Um. So probably, maybe not the greatest value as far as price-wise necessarily, but probably one of my favorite value DLC that I've ever gotten was uh, Age of Empires 2. Okay. Released several new DLC, you know, games. Uh, They had like two different expansions, right? Yeah, they had two. Well, they had the King, the it was uh, Age of Empires 2, the Kings, then they had the... Conquerors expansion, which was already they started bundling that just the two of those together. So you already had a yeah. whole new set of campaigns there. But Age of Empires 2 was released in early 2000s, and just in the last five years, they've released two new DLC groupings for them. They've re- released the Forgotten Realms and uh, the Egyptian one. 
And so they have these two new, like, full uh, campaign sets. So there's, like, five or six campaigns per DLC here for a game wow, that's that been game out for almost long for 15 legs. years. That's crazy. And it, it, and their games, they're part of the stories were stories that were originally being going to be included. Some were just random ones that they had some people make. And so it was just really cool. Nice. So can you get those on Steam then? Is that how you how you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I didn't realize that they had come out with new yeah, DLC no in the last five years. For that. <laughs> yeah, it's super that's cool. Awesome. Like, they were about five. I I bought mine for five dollars each because uh, they were on sale. But uh, mm-hmm. normally they're about ten dollars each. Cool. Okay. So yeah, not nice. too bad. But I was like, dude, that's, that's really cool. cool for a game that I played for forever when I was a kid. Yeah, to have a new I, DLC now. And I actually, uh, I thought of another one that um, on the new Super Mario Bros. game for Wii U, they did a DLC pack that wasn't really a pack. It was basically a whole new game uh, called mm. New Super Luigi U. And basically, it played with different like mechanics. So like it had kind of the, the floatier physics where Luigi could jump higher. You could also play as like Nabbit, who was like one of the enemies in the game. And it basically it had the same world map as the base game, but every level was different. Um and the oh, levels yeah. were shorter, so they weren't like full levels. They they all had a hundred second timer, so most of the levels were pretty quick. But it was a lot more challenging, which I appreciated because I thought the base game was a little on the easy side. And I think it was only like fifteen or twenty bucks. And so even though they're shorter levels, I'm like I'm buying eighty five new Mario levels for twenty dollars. Which as a huge Mario fan, I was like I'm all over this, and I I really enjoyed that. That was that was really really cool. And they had, like hid like little retro Luigi's and all the levels yeah. and. Um, so yeah, that was another example where they kind of almost doubled the the base game, and it wasn't wasn't too expensive either. So yeah, and eventually they released like a two pack with where you could buy yeah. both the game and Super yeah, Luigi. Yeah, eventually they put out a Correct. standalone, where you could get just a Luigi DLC, mm-hmm. and then after I think about a year or so, they just bundled them both together. So I think if you buy New Super Mario Bros. U now, um, I think you get the the Luigi DLC in there as well. So pretty cool. cool. Sweet. So then with that question, obviously if we asked about the best valued dlc what was the worst valued dlc you've ever gotten hmm well go ahead jeff i i wasn't sure what to say if this was the best value or the worst value but the smash bros dlc characters are really expensive (laughs) (laughs) and i bought them all even like i even bought like cloud and like bayonetta and like corin which i was like mad when they first announced those characters but, like, kind of the completionist in me, plus just loving Smash Bros. so much, I just kind of wanted to download yeah. them all. Um, and so I've downloaded all the Smash characters, and it, I think each one was, I think it was four four or five bucks, and then it was, like, another dollar to unlock them for your 3DS version as well. And I have the 3DS one, so I just, you know, I'm like, whatever, pay an extra dollar for each one. But, like, I think they did six DLC characters, so that's, like, 30 bucks that I paid for six characters. <laughs> You know, the base game Smash Bros. is $60. So I paid almost half of what I did for the base game with, like, 48 characters as what I did for just six more characters. And so it's definitely really expensive, but at the same time, Nintendo knew they could kind of squeeze all the Smash Bros. fans because so many people love Smash and new characters. And, I mean, yeah. honestly, the most one I was most excited about was Mewtwo. I really wanted Mewtwo back in, and I actually got him for free because I bought both versions of the game. It was kind of promotion so I got Mewtwo for free, which was awesome, but I did end up buying the rest. And I've enjoyed all the DLC characters. They're all really fun, even if I don't think, you know, Cloud or Bayonetta should have been in the game in the first place. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard for me to say it's not a good value because, I, I mean, 
anything can attest. We played Smash Bros. like every week, practically. Like we put hundreds of still. hours into it, and yeah. we still play Smash. And it's definitely kept they've kept doing updates with Smash, and it's kept it alive in the gaming, like competitive gaming community and stuff too. So mm-hmm. I think it mm-hmm. it definitely makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, I spent thirty dollars on like five characters, so, <laughs> so yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. This question is actually kind of hard for me because um, I actually don't buy a lot of DLC because I don't beat a lot of the main games. (laughs) (laughs) And so if I don't beat the main game, I'm like, well, I shouldn't buy the DLC. Um, So I can't say, think of a DLC I bought where I feel like I've gotten really, really raw because I just haven't bought a lot of DLC packs. There's been a couple games I bought where I've gotten like the Game of the Year edition or whatever where it came with all the previous DLC. Um which has been nice, but I feel like if I bought the $60 game and then bought, like, you the DLC, bought the DLC... I wouldn't have actually bought the DLC. I wouldn't have actually bought... Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I played through, for example, like uh, Arkham City. I bought the Game of the Year edition for the Wii U um, that came with all the DLC. And I feel like if I had bought it on PS3 and then bought the DLC piecemeal, I probably would have been upset yeah. because it was mostly, like... There was a story thing with Catwoman that was kind of cool, but it wasn't that great. And then there like was, a like, a bunch of challenges... Yeah, yeah, like a Robin and stuff like that. And then there was, like, a bunch of challenge map packs and, like, skins for Batman and stuff like that. Um, and if I had bought those individually, I probably would have been upset. But Yeah. I'm kind of along the same lines as you, Nathan, because I actually did buy Arkham City. I bought it at release, so I got Catwoman with my game copy. But I did pay for the Harley Quinn DLC. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was Harley Quinn. Sorry. Yeah, yep. And then I also I also would say um, most of the DLC I've bought for Assassin's Creed has probably been a waste of my money. Well, um, wait, what did they even do for their DLC? Was it like a new story? Well, okay, or? so the only well, Assassin's Creed one I remember is like that alternate timeline with George Washington from Assassin's there was Creed. The, so oh, Assassin's yeah. Creed 3, they had the tyranny of Washington where it was released in three episodes like and in each episode. You're, yeah, it was an alternate timeline where... Washington becomes king of the Templars, and you have to defeat Washington. It was a cool cool idea. idea. It was a terrible execution. It was a horrible (laughs) DLC. Was that just because Uh, it was part of Assassin's Creed 3, which wasn't that good? Yes, yes and no. It was just also not a very good motivational plot. Like, it was, if it was a standalone game, it would have sold like three copies because it was terrible. That was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I also paid for the Black Flag had the Freedom Cry DLC, which uh-huh. was a whole nother game with the secondary character, Adewale, from Assassin's Creed 4, the main game. And that was cool. I actually enjoyed that one, but it didn't really add much to the game. It was not worth the money I paid for it. Yeah. And I bought some of the DLC for Unity and Syndicate. And overall, they've added some new stories. They've added some new missions, but none of them have really been... I would say Freedom Cry was probably the best valued one that I got out of all of those DLCs, but other than that, really, none of them have been worthwhile to me. And if I and could do it again, I wouldn't have bought any of them. Gotcha. So, Rob, what have you learned from this? Don't buy the next Assassin's Creed DLC. Just don't buy DLC from <laughs> Ubisoft in general. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a probably a pretty safe rule. Yeah. So, with that, we're going to kind of ask another question. So, um... What do you guys think of pre-order bonuses and Game of the Year editions? I think... as In regards to DLC. Yeah, I think pre-order bonuses are um, lame most of the time. 
I got yeah. a pre-order bonus for uh, Arkham Knight because I like I picked it up on launch or whatever. It was like a Best Buy exclusive pre-order bonus, and it came with like a Harley Quinn pack, and it wasn't terrible, but it was just like an interesting distraction for 20 minutes, and I'm never gonna play it again. But like, mm-hmm. apparently that's a standalone DLC that they sell for like eight bucks or something. I'm like, I would never pay eight dollars for that ever. So like, if it's a pack in, I'm like, okay, whatever. But at the same time, I feel like if I was a fan who liked Harley Quinn, I would be like, what the heck? I don't have a Best Buy near me. Why do I have to pay eight dollars for this thing that other people are getting for free? Um, so I don't know. I don't. I I don't think there's anything wrong with giving little pre-order bonuses. Like Destiny gives pre-order bonuses for like when they put new expansions out. But like pretty much all of them have been pretty much worthless within like a couple days of actually playing the game. Like they've never been really anything exciting or exclusive or like something that you can buy separately. Um, What do you think, Nathan? I feel like a lot of the pre-order bonuses are just like used to be like by the platforms to be like, buy this on the PlayStation four or buy this on the Xbox one to get this exclusive pre-order bonus. That is actually usually, like you said, kind of worthless in the game. Yeah. And like Uh, one of my favorite pre-order bonuses ever actually um was uh when skyward sword came out in 2011 for the wii um if you bought if you pre-ordered it or bought the day one edition it came with oh, uh, yeah. the skyward sword uh 25th anniversary CD. orchestra cd so that was like a whole soundtrack that was cool um so that was really neat um so i love it when games do stuff like that but yeah, for the most part yeah yeah, yeah. and i feel like we're just like acting like total Nintendo fanboys here, but like <laughs> uh, Mario Galaxy, when it launched, um, I got it when it came out. I think I pre-ordered it at like GameStop or something like back in 2007 or whatever. And I, it came with this really cool like silver and gold like Mario Galaxy commemorative coin thing. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like, do I have a practical use to this? No, but like being a Nintendo fan and collector, I'm like, hey, yeah, something, yeah. something cool to hold on to that's that better than, hey, this is a exclusive skin for multiplayer that you know doesn't really matter after a year (laughs) yeah well and most of the time when you have a pre-order bonus one of the things that does happen is you get all these different bonuses beat in they've started doing this thing now i think ubisoft actually started it with assassin's creed where different stores order bonuses but then, yeah, the about one. six months later, they release it all with the, They release them all with the season pass. So none of the bonuses that you got really matter after six months because, well, now they're all being released with the game. Yeah. Versus yeah. like a soundtrack with a game, which is actually something that's really unique, very valuable, and something that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise unless yeah. you ordered the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, kind of to you, address your second question, game yeah. of the year edition. Um, I actually, I like them for the most part. I have a fair amount of Game of the Year edition copies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a cool, I mean, it's a way for kind of publishers and developers to make some more money off the game, like yeah. release a Game of the Year edition with deal, all the DLC after it comes out. And usually um, they're kind of become pretty standard now. So people, if they really want to play the game right when it comes out, they can buy it and spend the money. Um, and if they really like it, they can buy the DLC individually. Or there's some people who are like, oh, I'd rather wait. I don't super want to play this game, but maybe I'll check it out um, mm-hmm. when it comes out with a Game of the Year edition that includes all the DLC, etc. And I can pay the money then. So I, I think I think for the most part they're done well. And yeah. it helps the developers, publishers, and it's usually pretty good for the consumers as long as you know, as you kind of yeah. are aware of it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's good. I mean, I don't have a ton of Game of the Year editions. I typically, most games I buy are ones I like, I'm usually getting at launch. Like it's a game that I've been planning on getting, but uh, I think 
two Game of the Year editions I have gotten in the last year or two are uh, got the Game of the Year edition for the Borderlands collection, which came with Borderlands one and or came with Borderlands two and this Borderlands pre sequel, which I think is Borderlands three, and it came with all the DLC packs, which I think I don't know how many, but apparently there's a ton of them. And there's uh, a lot. yeah, I have some friends who really like Borderlands, and they were telling me how great all those different DLC pieces were. So. Um, I haven't played through the DLC yet. I'm, I'm almost done with mm-hmm. Borderlands 2, but it's cool to know that I do have those packages that, hey, like I've heard this DLC is really good and I can, you know, experience that without having to like you yeah. really commit to buying all the DLC when it's not a game I'm super interested in. It's just one I kind of wanted to pick up to play a little more casually. And um, I'd been wanting to get Red Dead Redemption for a long time. I never owned it, but I borrowed it from tons of friends throughout the throughout the years. And uh, I finally went on sale on PS3 for on the PSN, it was like I think it was eight or nine bucks with the Undead Nightmare DLC, which I heard was like amazing. I never played it or anything, um, so I'm like, oh, what? Are, I'll finally go in, you know, buy this, even though I had my file on 316. So I have started fresh in there. I haven't haven't beaten it yet. I I don't want to play it till I beat the main game because somehow, even though it's 2016, I have avoided spoilers for the end of Red Dead Redemption still. So. Do not wow. tell me. Wow, that, that is actually really impressive. Yeah, so. It was spoiled. I actually walked in. My brother was playing my copy of it because mm-hmm. he was, I was at home and he was playing my copy of it and I walked in as he was beating the game. So. <laughs> oh, that's sad. So that's, I've already seen the ending. That's but, one of the few yeah. games that I have Rob Fallout 3 Syndrome on. I'm just like, I don't care about the main missions. I just want to run around, be a cowboy, <laughs> do whatever I want. Like, you know, do the side quests and. Yeah. And just Rob, a side note Rob. for our listeners, this is the only game where I've watched Jeff be evil. Because <laughs> this is the only game where I've watched Jeff say, I'm going to go find a hooker, tie her up, and put her on the train tracks and watch what happens. Okay, that was one time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, right. I don't so know. Sometimes, Jeff be evil, sometimes it's fun. the Wild West on him. Yeah. yeah, dude. So that's actually that's awesome. I I buy a lot of Game of the Year editions as well because I think it's a better value than what the uh, what the other you know uh, buying all the DLC individually. Like I'm actually I've held out on buying The Witcher three because I was waiting for the Game of the Year edition and now I'm just kind of looking at it and going okay well, as soon as it goes on sale I'll probably snatch that up or as soon as I have some money to buy it. So I am. Definitely, that's one I would pick up. I actually have the Game of the Year edition for Red Dead Redemption. I have the Game of the Year edition for Fallout 3. You know, I just, Game of the Year editions are a really good way to kind of wrap it up in a big bundle. And I would say most games, I would hold out for a Game of the Year edition. It's good for those really big games, yeah. too. Like yeah, it's good for those really big, like, Witchers RPGs and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm tempted to get the PS4 re-release of Skyrim because it comes with all the DLC, which I never played. So. Yeah. No mods, no mods. <laughs> but um, so, I don't kind know. of the last sort of with this last question, I want to ask you guys something. Should DLC be free? Um, I think, or should it actually cost something? I think it depends on. It depends from game to game, developer to developer. Um, I'll give you an example of something I think is really good. Um, so Overwatch came out in May. And I actually, the game wasn't really on my radar. Um, and then it came out and a lot of people were talking about it. And I was like, this game kind of looks cool. So I was looking up some videos and kind of looking. And I was like, this game looks pretty fun. I'm tempted. And one of the things that kind of persuaded me to actually buy, buy, um, buy the game and not wait for a sale and buy it at full and price. And convinced me to buy it is, too. 
and convince Jeff to buy it too. The only game I've ever convinced Jeff to buy um, is the fact that Blizzard said like, um, if you buy this game, like all of the DLC, like characters and maps and stuff we release in the future will be free um, if you buy the base game, which I thought was really cool. Um, and I know that Blizzard supports their games forever, so I was like, I feel like this is a really good deal. Um, and it made me was one of the reasons why I ended up buying the game at the full price of sixty dollars, close to when it to when it released. But at the same time, the reason they're able to do that is because people pour in millions of dollars into microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, they they have their microtransactions, but they did a good job with microtransactions in Overwatch. I feel like yeah. they're not like them you're not missing out on anything if you don't use microtransactions. For so sure. yeah. So, it depends on the game and developer, though. Yeah. I mean, if it's something that's really going to add, you know, a whole new gameplay element, like, I mean, I haven't played The Witcher one, but I heard the the new Witcher DLC adds a whole new area and totally new quests and stories, and it's practically could, be, could have been a standalone game. I feel like DLCs like that can definitely warrant, uh, you know, a price tag, you know, uh, Super Luigi U, like, you know, all those new levels and, you know, characters and physics and stuff. Yep. But with the some of those smaller DLCs that are just like, hey, we just kind of, you know, slap together this quick quest mission, but there's not really any cinematics or anything new. Like, I feel like a lot of those smaller ones could be um, things that could be, you know, smaller free updates and stuff. And, you know, one thing I do appreciate about Destiny, they've had lots of different updates, and um, uh, they always do, no matter what updates you've bought, that just kind of unlocks, like, some of the story mm-hmm. missions and weapons and stuff. But the game continually gets updates no matter even if you have the base game or not so if you have the base game of destiny you can still play kind of the new version of destiny just not the new story stuff so like you can jump into new private matches and you know see some of the new areas and stuff even if you haven't um bought those expansions yet so i like it when games do that like hey if you like the game you want to continue your adventure we got this you know upgrade expansion for you um, that's you know twenty thirty bucks. They don't like completely leave you behind. Yeah, I really yeah. don't like it when games release Force DLC and that DLC it's... basically leaves you behind if you don't buy it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like when I played Star Wars Battlefront for the first time in a while a couple of weeks ago, and like I jumped online and I I couldn't play in the DLC maps, but like it was letting people play with all the DLC characters like against me. So I'm like getting killed by all these characters that I have no idea how to you know what their powers are, what they're doing. I'm just like, oh okay, so like. You know, it kind of feels like they might have, you know, like an unfair advantage or something, and you know, it doesn't really separate the player base at all. So, I don't know. It, yeah. It's it's hard yeah. to balance. I know Halo kind of had that problem as well um, with some of their newer, their new map packs when they put those out and stuff. But, I don't know. It just yeah. depends. Yeah, I would agree. Because I think a lot of times uh, DLC things like costumes or new guns or smaller things like that, I think those should be free. I think those are good things to, you know, they build your fan base, they help people, you know, they're kind of cool looking, they don't necessarily help gameplay as far as that's concerned, but big things like, you know, The Witcher obviously has this huge games that come out as DLC, that those are good things to pay money for, because, I mean, the developers put almost as much time into those as they did into the main game. Mm-hmm. So those are really important to actually charge for and then put you know and then as soon as they've been out for a while package them all in a game of the year edition but i think overall if we kind of could wrap up on dlc what we could say is um dlc is sort of a mixed bag because obviously microtransactions we've we all three of us agree that they're terrible 
<laughs> no one should ever do microtransactions. That's just horrible. Well, especially if it's but, pay to win. If well, it's vanity stuff, yeah, if it's, it's pay to win, not as big of a deal. Yeah, if it's if it's vanity yeah. stuff and other people are playing so that I can play for free, I mean, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But exactly, yeah. we like some of the we like the game of the year editions. We're not huge fans of the pre-order bonuses, but we think that DLC is a good thing. Would you guys agree? Yeah, and I think it's a reality that has to happen now yeah, because games are so expensive to make and all of the assets mm-hmm. and tools they they develop, they have to be able to make some other money back on it besides just the base game. So whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's not going away anytime soon. So, so might as well embrace yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it, the cool thing is uh, no one ever forces you to spend your money on anything. You can choose what you want to spend on. So yep. just, Exactly. Well, most most games have a detailed you know layout for DLC plans before... Uh, yep. Before they Just come out, don't, so yeah, don't don't buy one of those like sixty dollar season pass and yeah, don't buy a season pass if you don't pass. know what's in it. I will I will give yeah. that advice for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I can um, testify to that one. Don't buy an <laughs> Assassin's Creed season pass. Yeah, so. Yes, cool. Alrighty, moving on to our final segment. As we always do, we are going to close the show with what we are playing this week. Um, so exciting news. For me, I actually I actually uh, repaired our uh, NES this week. I uh, took the whole thing apart and uh, you know took all the guts out. And I got a toothbrush and I put Windex on it and I just scrubbed like the contacts inside of the <laughs> NES that reads the cartridges. Um, and then I cleaned with cleaned the inside of the cartridges as well, which got like lots of black smudge off. And turned it in or plugged it in, and voila, it started working again. I was like, woo! That's <laughs> so that was awesome. exciting. Nice. I was really glad. I thought I was going to have to, you know, buy all these parts and, like, you know, take everything apart, but it was a lot easier than I was expecting. So I've been playing lots of NES. I played uh, DuckTales, which was fun and also very frustrating. Um, and then Mario slash Dunk Hunt. I got, oh, I took a picture of my high score. I'll, maybe I'll post it on Twitter later. I got, I think, to like the 16th round in clay shootings. On my first try. Whoa. I haven't what? played that game in like 10 years, so I felt really proud oh, of myself. Oh, man. That's awesome. That's, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I can't even make it back to that high of a level back when I played it all the time. <laughs> you, want to talk, you want to talk about a valuable game. That double pack was a valuable oh, game. Oh, for sure. That was a valuable game, yeah. My arm is getting sore from like playing Duck Hunt for so long. <laughs> like a whole thing yeah. um, I also played the original Mario Bros, and uh, I felt pretty proud of myself. I got all the way through the game, beat Bowser, um, in my first first playthrough, no game overs. So that was pretty awesome. Wow. Nice. That's impressive. Yep. Lo- love the original Super Mario Bros. In it. Wait, did you go through all the worlds or did you use the warp pipes? I used I use, I use some warp pipes, but okay, okay. still, yeah. I feel like it, yeah, still. I, was, I felt pretty accomplished because I hadn't played the original in a while. And it just reminded me how awesome the NES controller is for those games. Like, I've gotten used to kind of, you know, adapting to Wii remotes and, you know, uh, you know 3DSs and stuff. But playing Super Mario Bros. on the NES controller is still like the greatest feeling ever so that was awesome yes, which if you don't have an nas you'll be able to do that in a couple months anyways yeah nas awesome. mini that'll be fun um and then oh one other one i got pac-man 265 last week um it was on sale on psn for like 250 great deal and Wait, like, is it 265 or 256 uh maybe 256 i don't know pac-man okay. 200 something it, it was basically a free iphone game uh that had lots of stupid microtransactions so the ps4 version basically has all the microtransaction stuff out of there and it has multiplayer and it looks great on a big screen. 
and it just it's almost kind of like an endless run of pac-man so you're just going through a maze that kind of never ends trying to get a high score and there's lots of fun power-ups like lasers tornadoes fire stuff like that and you can play multiplayer so me and nathan share played it for like an hour and just a great little addicting game you can just kind of just jump in for a few minutes and just relax and have fun so for two dollars fifty cents i was like this is this is an awesome deal so yeah, it was really fun. fun. I couldn't believe we share played it for an hour, and I couldn't believe an hour had gone by. I thought Dude, it was like twenty minutes or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> time flies when you're playing it, and you can just like throw on like some music on Spotify or something and just play, it, and it's a great, great, relaxing game. So fun with nice. that. fun with nice. that. Cool, Rob. What about you? I played a little bit more Fallout Three, of course. Nice. I completed a couple of side quests so i actually am making i i do feel slightly accomplished i am making progress in the game just not very quickly so <laughs> i'll probably finish it this is this is my rough estimate best estimate i'll finish it by 2018 um <laughs> all right 2018 <laughs> um I also played a little FTL. It's just I I don't know. I played it last week because I mentioned this because this was on my what games I was playing last time. But I played FTL because it's such a chill game. I wanted a game to kind of you know it's like a detox game, and I just went back to it again and just kept playing it and playing it and playing it. I just when I'm not at my PS4, I can play it on my computer and it's super fun. Um, and then I've also been playing Batman Arkham Knight, just kind of cranking through the story, cranking through the missions, trying to complete that game because yeah, good campaign it's a pretty game. cool story. So are you still playing through the main story on Arkham Knight then? Um, oh. I've been doing some of the side missions. Well, I've been doing a lot of the side missions. I'll do like three or four of the side missions and then the next main quest mission and then three more of the side missions and then the main quest. So I've been kind of balancing it out. So I don't just... understand how you do it. Whenever I play a game with like a decent story or an interesting story i get really pulled in the story and i don't want to stop and play the side missions and so i just like kind of rush through well for me i guess with the batman arkham ones the big thing is like a lot of the side quests are part of the story or they feel as much a part of the story as the main story it's all integrated so actually some of the side quests i've gotten more drawn into than the main quests at times because like oh my gosh this person this villain is so interesting what am i gonna do i'm gonna i have to yeah and so it just kind of I get drawn into the stories of the side quests as much as the main quest. Okay, okay, I can and just see the that. way the game's set up too. It's all pretty integrated. Well, whether you're, you know, going to the next mission, which is technically a main mission, or if you're doing some of the more side quests. And I know when I, when I played through it, I mean, I beat the game the main quest within a month, but I did a lot of the side quest stuff throughout, and I just kind of wanted to. I didn't want to rush through. I wanted to kind of savor it. So I was like, okay, like. I'm really excited to see what happens in the main story, but at the same time, mm-hmm. this side mission looks really interesting. And you know, I, I, you know, I, I can. It's okay if I wait for a day before I play the yeah, next main yeah. mission. So, sure, nothing cool. wrong. With yeah, nice, Nathan. Um, what have we been playing? Uh, last week I played Super Mario Maker for the first time in like Dude. three or four months. I think. Congratulations! Right. So, I inspired you. Um. I kind of had been feeling like really overwhelmed by like 3D AAA <laughs> action games and stuff like that. <laughs> I jumped in and played through 100 Mario, um, beat an entire course. Um, so that was nice. really fun. I remembered that like how many terrible courses there are in Mario Maker. Like there's like maybe one in every like 10 courses is actually good, and the rest are yeah, there's a lot, there's of a lot that are just like. Eh, it's not that good. It was fun to jump into that and play that um, again. And then I've also been playing a lot of 
Overwatch lately. Um, I just I really I really like multiplayer, especially playing with friends and stuff like that. So yeah, been playing that a bit. Um, still really enjoying that. Uh, actually started playing with uh, Zenyatta. Um, and really mm. kind of liking Zenyatta mm. as a character. Um, was playing with him last night. Uh, for a couple hours. So that was cool. Um, and then also playing Destiny, kind of getting ready for Rise of Iron, which just dropped today, and I'm sure I'll be playing that <laughs> a lot more for the yeah. for the next week. That's probably pretty much all all I will be playing, Dude, yeah. along with the Jeff. If you're if you're well. listening to this um, Saturday morning, we are going to be doing a a stream. Uh, Nathan and I and a bunch of other our uh, Destiny Destiny pals, we're going to be uh, doing the raid. We're going in blind. It's going to take us forever. We probably won't beat it. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, so definitely check that out on uh, Twitch. We'll probably tweet out the link on our main channel, or you can just follow me at uh, twitch.tv slash ninjapenguin1. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Sweet. Well, any uh, closing comments, gentlemen? Um, no, not really. Have fun. Enjoy life. Play video games. <laughs> Sure. I'm going to tell you the opposite of all the public service announcements where they say, you know, go outside and play. I'm going to tell you guys, go inside and play a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we can all agree with that. Um, do that every once in a while. So, as always, be sure to follow us on uh, Twitter at HeyListen underscore games. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search HeyListen Gamescast on there. And today's track that we're leaving you with is the flowers of antimony theme it's the plague knight theme from shovel knight composed by jake kaufman so enjoy and we'll see you next week